0: So as I said uh, during the announcements, we are finishing up our series, sermon series on uh, entire sanctification. And uh, I, I think this has been, a, well, at least from my perspective, it's been a good series. But just because we're in the final message for the series, don't think for a moment that we're done with entire sanctification. Uh, this was the entire sanctification primer. This is just to get us started as a church to begin to think about entire sanctification, living lives of holiness the way that God intended for us. And I'm hoping this will be something that uh, jump starts the discussion um, amongst our church family, uh, to be sure, but also in Bible study and also uh, in the privacy of your own prayer closets as you have conversations with God about holiness and your desire to be entirely sanctified, not later when you're meeting Jesus face to face, but now here in this lifetime. And so uh, the the title of the message in this last uh, message of the series is Entire Sanctification, What It Isn't. Let's begin with uh, the epistle from Romans. I think it's a good place to start. Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for the one who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, We believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So this morning we're wrapping up the sermon series on entire sanctification and we have talked somewhat in depth about what entire sanctification is. We've looked at how we might obtain entire sanctification so that we might live a completely holy life in the way our Father in Heaven intended for us. And we learned that our gracious God wants to give us this gift of holiness. And we learn that we have a responsibility to ask and keep on asking so that God knows that we are intentional and that our desire is our prayer to God. So to finish our series, I want to talk to you about what entire sanctification is not. It's important to know what we can expect, but it's also important to know what not to expect. And so here we go. What entire sanctification is not? See, John Wesley spent considerable effort explaining and defending the doctrine of entire sanctification. Now, he also called this, among other things, uh, he had several names for entire sanctification. One of them was called Christian Perfection. Christian Perfection. And he wrote a sermon. And interestingly enough, the title was Christian Perfection. And he devoted the first half of that sermon to dispelling misunderstandings concerning this doctrine of entire sanctification. See, a lot of people uh, in Wesley's day, just like today, tended to get their feathers ruffled when they heard the words Christian and perfection used together. See, for non-believers... The words Christian perfection speak this perception of arrogance on the part of Christians. And unfortunately, often, Christians earn that reputation when they claim righteousness with their mouths and then they demonstrate unrighteousness in their actions. When we are pious and holy inside the sanctuary, but then we go out into the world and we act the fool, non-believers see that and say, well, that is something I don't want any part of. So Wesley was adamant in his defense of Christian perfection and he insisted that we not limit humanity by using fallen, broken humans as the reference point. That makes sense, doesn't it? Instead, when talking about Christian perfection, he insisted that we use Jesus as the reference point and the authority of Scripture as the reference point. Because Scripture not just suggests, but it demands in Matthew 5.48 that we be perfect. It says, be perfect therefore, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's not a request. It's not a suggestion. That's a mandate. That we strive for perfection in our humanity. See, Scripture tells us that humans were created to live holy lives in this life. As Jesus demonstrated in His humanness, it is possible for us right now. And that being said, entire sanctification does not elevate us into divinity. We need to make that very clear. It's it's not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're not, as as Satan suggested, eating of the fruit and becoming God-like. That's not what entire sanctification is. There are things that it most definitely is not. And one of them is omniscient. Entire sanctification is not omniscience. That means that the entirely sanctified person is not all-knowing. The entirely sanctified person is not perfect in wisdom and knowledge. A, A sanctified person has knowledge similar to that of other people apart from their knowledge of the Christian faith. What the sanctified person lacks in knowledge about the world, they more than make up for in their knowledge of the love of God. They know the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. They know a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They know a lot about their faith. They know the same as everybody else about the world. Entire sanctification is also not mistake free. The entirely sanctified person is able to forget things able to misplace their car keys, able to make a wrong calculation, able to make a measurement that results in the need to remeasure. They might spill the milk, they might dent the car, they might break the vase. See, one of the arguments or pushbacks against entire sanctification is that people are are prone to accidents and mistakes. In this life, therefore, the naysayers say it's impossible to be perfect in this life. But you see, entire sanctification is not based on performance, but rather on the power to avoid violating God's commands, the freedom from the desire to sin because of the sin urge having been replaced in them by this heart filling, soul transforming love of God. The entirely sanctified person might trip on the carpet on the way to the altar. They might spill the communion wine. But they are indeed perfectly adept at the things that are essential for salvation. If you're going to be perfect about anything, be perfect about those things. Entire sanctification is not without illness. The entirely sanctified person is not immune to illness or injury. If a sanctified person becomes ill, it doesn't invalidate the maturity of their faith or the depth of their commitment to Christ. The disciples asked Jesus when they saw the the blind man, was it this man who sinned or was it this man's parents that caused him this infirmity. Well, it had nothing to do with either of those things. Scripture tells us that all of us will meet physical death at some point until Christ returns in glory. But the entirely sanctified person knows that when that event Happens, they will see Christ as He is and they will experience that resurrection for themselves. Entire sanctification is not temptation free. The entirely sanctified person is not free of temptation, but God's grace gives sanctified people a new freedom to resist sin and the usual patterns that we have that trap us in sin. I was telling you a couple of messages ago that I read this book by Kevin Watson. It's called Perfect Love. And there's a quote from it that fits this idea that entire sanctification is not free of temptation. He says, Most people, if not all people, have a particular place or a few places where they are particularly prone to wander or fall into habitual sin. Think about those places. As, as they used to say on Hee Haw when the man says, I broke my arm in three places. And he says, well, what did the doctor tell you? And he said, stay out of those places. <laughs> Entirely sanctified people are not free of temptation. A sanctified person finds this God-winning a victory on their behalf where their power to fight against the temptation, their power to fight against the addiction is restored to them and they no longer give in to the old habits of sin. Entire sanctification is not free from the need to continue to grow. If you're thinking of entire sanctification as retirement in the faith, that's not what we're talking about here. The entirely sanctified person is still on a journey. They still need to grow. They still need to study. They still need to devote themselves to prayer and to reading Scripture and to worship and to the spiritual disciplines. They still need a community of believers for accountability for fellowship. The free will of every believer is still a part of the entirely sanctified person. The need to be ever on our guard and to be held accountable continues in this life. The need to choose Christ daily continues. Don't think for a moment that if you achieve entire sanctification, you can hang up your Bible. You can hang up your prayer journal. You can just retire, go fishing. Entire sanctification will increase your desire for prayer and communion and fellowship with believers. So I got to thinking about this passage from Romans 6 that I read when we started. I was reminded of the first time this passage from Romans 6 really impacted me as it showed me the need to continue to grow. Never to become stagnant in learning about my faith. A few years back, I think some of you might remember that I got a call from an old high school buddy of mine his name happens to be Steve hadn't seen Steve since high school and he called me out of the blue I I don't even know how he got my number but the second I heard his voice I was transported back in time you see Steve was one of my closest high school friends didn't even go to my high school our neighborhood was split right down the middle. Some of us went to the new high school at Cypress Creek, and some of us continued to go to Cyfair High School. Steve went to Cyfair, I went to Cy Creek, but we were still inseparable. Before life happened and we went our separate ways and lost touch over the years, we used to make music together. Along with our friend Woody. Steve. Played guitar. Woody played bass. Well, actually, it wasn't a bass, Gene. It was a a guitar that had been tuned down and two of the strings were broken. But it was a bass, by golly. I played drums. And every day after school, we would meet over in Steve's garage. And we would make music. And I have to tell you, it sounded great to us. Some of the fondest memories of my teenage experience are the three of us hanging out and making music together. So Steve called me and he says to me, I have some news and it's not good news. Woody passed this weekend and I found him in his easy chair on Monday. See, I knew Woody had some issues with addiction. And I knew that Steve had been looking out for him over the years. So I knew that Woody's passing was going to be really difficult for Steve. For me, my connection with Woody was more of fond memories and happy times gone by. For Steve, it was a mixture of those same kinds of memories, but also years and years of helping Woody through his addiction. Hats off to him. I, you know, sticking with a friend like that when uh, they're dealing with something that is beyond... Their control. The addiction had taken full root in Woody and ultimately it killed him. And so Steve asked me, he said, would you do the memorial service? And I suddenly knew what Romans 6 was all about. You see, the thing about doing the memorial service for someone like Woody, whose life to me is a collection of fond memories from the past, is that I had no idea what relationship he had with Jesus Christ just before he passed. Did he know Jesus as Lord and Savior? It, did was he even ability to maintain or or, or have those kinds of, of thoughts? It is is Woody in heaven now? I don't even want to imagine that he's not, but I know that's a good possibility that he somehow missed that. Opportunity, And so what Paul says to us in Romans 6 is of vital importance for those of us still here on this side of eternity as we strive for a sanctification. Paul tells us that death is a different experience for those who have accepted Christ than it is for those who have not. For those who reject Jesus or ignore Jesus, who don't choose him as Lord of their lives, death is just exactly that. It's death. It's separation from God. Death is eternal emptiness. But for those who are in Christ, death becomes life. And life for those who are sanctified becomes not just life, but abundant life. How does that work exactly? See, we go through this process of dying to sin. And the thing we don't realize is that we have to go through that process here in this life. When we take our last breath, it's too late to start the process. For a Christ follower, physical death is just a passage into the presence of Christ. That doesn't sound so bad, does it? The person who is saved is justified in Christ and has already died to sin. Paul explains it to us like this. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace. A new life in a new land. entire sanctification is experiencing the new life in the new land now, not later. I think that's a good analogy of baptism uh, uh, and of dying to sin. When we're covered by the water of baptism, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. We're raised up from the deep, dark water of sin into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace-sovereign country. Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. The decision to end that sin miserable life no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this if, if we get included in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life saving resurrection. That is the essence of entire sanctification. Dying to sin. Resurrecting into a new life. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end of things. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, He took sin down with Him. But the thing is, Jesus alive brings God down to us makes God reachable for us as humans. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. And you hang on every word. You're dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. And that marvelous act makes entire sanctification possible for you today. So what's the impact? The impact of that truth in our lives is that if we choose Christ now in this present human condition that we're all in together, then we get to rid ourselves of the burden of sin. We get to die to sin and to self, and we get to be raised up in this new life with Christ. And then death no longer means anything to us at all. It's just a rite of passage into the light and life of Christ. We get to live the Christ filled, sanctified life right now. I know I keep saying right now, but I want to emphasize the point that sanctification is not for the hereafter. It's for the here and now. Physical death is powerless. If we choose to die to self and sin and choose to live with Christ for all time. When I think of the two choices ahead for all of us, life eternal or death eternal. I hope you choose life. And don't wait. Don't wait for your relatives. Don't wait for your friends. I want everyone that I love and care about to choose life also. I want them to choose sanctification now. So the impact is really, really what you make it. If, if you share the gospel with those that you care about, if you share the gospel with people, then more people will choose life over death. I think most people would rather live vital, productive, purposeful, joyful, pain-free, guilt-free, forever lives if they only knew how to get there. I think that's true, don't you? If they only knew how to get there, don't you think they would choose life over death? Most people would prefer to live the grace life, the holy life, the life of guilt, free love, and peace that sanctification offers. Is that you? Is that someone you know? Are you one of those people? Ask and you shall receive. For entire sanctification now. And ask again. And again. And again. Every morning when you wake up. Thank you Jesus for another day. Give me entire sanctification now. I long for holiness now. In this life. Free me from sin. I give you my life this morning. Give me entire sanctification. Give me holiness today, now. Ask, and you shall receive. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.